Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. It is a privilege to bring week two of our series, How to Live. How to Live a Life with No Regrets. So last week, Pastor Miles introduced us to Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. And his message had three points. Now, if you know those three points, quickly type them in the chat before I give it away. It is that we are known, we are chosen, and we are given by God. It is an incredibly encouraging message. And if you wanna check it out, head to our YouTube channel. We have all of our previous messages there. We've got some worship there. So why don't you go visit the YouTube and see how you can be uh, encouraged today for there's a message there for you and a message that you can share to someone in your world. So I'm gonna start off with a passage of scripture that Pastor Miles actually preached from last week. And it's Jeremiah verse one, four to nine. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to the book of Jeremiah chapter one. And let's jump in at verse Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, this is Jeremiah speaking, "Ah, oh God, behold, I do not know how to speak. I'm only youth, but a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out His hand like this and He touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Such a good passage of Scripture. But I don't know about you, but when I read this, I... I cannot help but feel insanely intimidated. It intimidates me. In verse six, when Jeremiah's like, but God, I am only a boy. I'm just a kid. I don't know anything. All I do all day is just pick my nose. I cannot express to you how much that resonates with me. To hear from God Himself that He has called you, that He has set you apart to influence the world Okay, we know how big the world is. That's terrifying. Firstly, I am a detail-orientated person. If you ask me to cook you a meal, I will ask like a specific meal. I'll be like, send me the recipe and I will follow it to the T. So reading this passage, all I can think of is, okay, God, how, where, when, am I gonna need a passport? Do I need to bring a life jacket? What is needed, required for all that you've called me towards? Please specify the details. And secondly, there's this pressure, God Himself. He is calling me, He is calling you. He called Jeremiah. It stresses me out. (laughs) But if we go on to study the life of Jeremiah, which we're gonna continue today, we will go on to learn that God's expectations of us are unrealistic at all. We have been conditioned to believe that in order to be extraordinary in the eyes of God, in order to live a life worth living, we have to achieve greatness. But the greatness that we think of as greatness is more closer to how the world sees greatness, whether that be financial greatness, accolades greatness, 
your popularity, how many likes and follows you have on Instagram, or if your TikTok went viral. If you ha- uh, did I say muscular gains, greatness? That's an important value to me. Intellectual greatness, that's an important value to my husband. But I, and I'm not saying that these things are not great things. That's why we regard them as great things. But the greatness God is calling Jeremiah towards, that God is calling the nation of Israel towards, that God is calling you and me towards in order to live a great life is found in faithfulness, obedience, and holiness in Him. So my message today, if you're writing notes, is called How to Live, Called by God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray for this Word today, that it would transcend the screens, that we would experience the fullness of Your faithfulness and holiness. God, be glorified as Your Word is preached, as we hear Your Word. Would You open up our hearts, stir our faith, open our minds. And Lord, help me not to make too many jokes or sing spontaneously because that is in my nature. Be glorified in Jesus' Name, Amen. All right, so last week, Pastor Miles introduced us to Jeremiah. And this week, I'm jumping in at chapter 35. So there is a large gap of context that I'm gonna quickly sum up for you as quickly as I can. Are you ready? So you understand what's going on. Okay, so we've established, we have Jeremiah. So he is from a family of priests and he is called by God before birth, as it says in Jeremiah 1, to be the spokesperson to the nation Israel. He didn't start ministry until historians say around 17 years old. He lives in a big city named Jerusalem, big major city, and he ministers to a people in the temple who were more than happy to worship God in the temple. Yet outside their temple life, sorry, outside the temple walls, their everyday life reflected anything but. They gave no attention to God. They lived for themselves. And the result was a nation filled with idolatry, corruption and injustice. I'm saying, I'm talking about like the Israelites started sacrificing children. Like it, it, it's bad, like it's not, it's not a good time. They were a nation set apart by God, but they had rejected His ways. You're probably thinking, oh my goodness, how did they do that? It's so messed up. So through Jeremiah, God warns His people not to turn away from the promise that, they had, that uh, they had made with Him and warns them that if they don't return to God and if they don't return wholeheartedly and turn from their wicked ways, their land will be invaded and they will be sent into exile. So Jeremiah's warnings, he's uh, consistently rejected. For 30 years, he's saying this message, turn back to God, and he's rejected. In fact, he's cancelled. The other prophets and the kings and leaders of of Jerusalem, they cancel him. And uh, how devastating. And so what happens is the Babylonians invade, and now Jerusalem is under siege. Um, which means they're surrounded by an army. They can't go, they can't go out, they can't live freely. They're locked down. <laughs> but even in wartime conditions, Jeremiah continues to remain faithful to God and steadfast in who God has called him to be. See, one characteristic that sets Jeremiah apart is that while he is living in a big major city, often dealing with the crowds and the temples in his day-to-day life, he was never influenced by them. 
The crowds did not dictate his message. For 30 years, he preached the same message, turn back to God. And it didn't, the crowds didn't dictate his faith. He didn't change to be more popular or likeable by the crowds. It was God and only God who shaped his behaviour, who directed his life and shaped his perceptions. So the big dilemma that Jeremiah faces isn't questioning his own faith during adversity, but getting the rest of Israel on track with God. See, this was the dilemma Jeremiah faced as a prophet in Jerusalem. He was a man of surpassing excellence who obediently gave his whole life to God. And so the people avoided dealing with Jeremiah by setting him apart. Notice he's set apart by God and he's also set apart by the people. Have you been watching This Is The Voice? Um, I just, to be honest, I don't watch it devotingly. You'd think as a singer, I would be obsessed with it. Um, and I, I, I just like to watch the highlights. Um, tell me in the chat who you're voting for. I think we all kind of have the same. It's Bella, isn't it? Yeah, she's amazing. Anyway, we, we tend to have two trains of thought as we watch you know, competitions like The Voice or maybe it's not music. Maybe it was the Olympics or Shark Tank if you're business-minded or a cooking show, MasterChef. Sometimes when we are in the presence of a person who is so good at what they do, so excellent, so great, it motivates us to strive for a similar achievement. But other times we respond by being intimidated, right? To be honest, that's the reason why I can't watch the whole of The Voice because it just, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'll never be good enough. But anyway, that's a story for another time. We assume that no matter how hard we try, aiming for these kinds of achievements are unrealistic. We don't have the time. We don't have the patience. We cannot commit to the discipline and the training that it takes. We don't have the resources. It's not meant for me. I will never be a K-pop star. They're like raised from birth. So we separate ourselves from these excellent artists, these excellent businessmen and all this kind of stuff, and we become content watching it all unfold as lazy spectators and consumers. And we feel better. Oh, we feel so good when their voice cracks or when a deal falls through or their, their souffle doesn't puff up. We, we sit back and we pick it apart. So the Israelites were exactly the same. The crowds didn't misunderstand his message, nor did they disbelieve in God. For 30 years, they understood what Jeremiah was saying. They probably admired his convictions and the way that he lived, but they set him apart because his way of life was unrealistic for ordinary, average Israelites. Can you relate to the crowds here? I know that I can. Maybe you don't disbelieve in God and you don't disbelieve in the miracles of the Bible. You don't disbelieve in the praise reports that your friends share, the miraculous stories of healing, the successes, but you disqualify yourself as nothing more than a spectator because you think that you're ordinary, basic. Maybe you don't have enough faith. Maybe you think God hasn't called you for anything more. So you sit on life's sidelines, you wait in the pews, you are more than happy to watch, admiring what you see, but you are unchanged. You're stuck. 
repeating the same prayers and singing the same songs, not allowing yourself to be fully transformed in all that God has, is calling you to be. Today, church, if you are waiting for a sign to take your life to the next level, this is your sign, okay? No more excuses. So as I established, Jeremiah is this excellent guy and the Israelites were like, well, he's excellent. Like he's a prophet, like that's expected of him, right? So what does Jeremiah do to prove to the people to live for more? So we're jumping in at Jeremiah 35. I'm about to read quite a large portion of Scripture. So if you do have your Bibles, feel free to follow along. I'm reading the English Standard Version. We meet the Rechabites. Here we go. Let's read verse one. The uh, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, go to the house of the Rechabites and speak with them and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers, so the temple, then offer them wine to drink. So I took Jeaznia, I feel like that's the only way you can pronounce it, and his brothers and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites. I brought them to the house of the Lord into the chamber of the sons of Hanan and the son of Igdalia, the man of God, which was near the chamber of the officials above the chamber of Maaseiah, the son of Shalom, keeper of the threshold. I've got to take note of all these names for my future children. So let's, put, let's pause here for a second. God instructs Jeremiah to take the Rechabites, they're a tribe of Israelites, to a chamber in the temple where they will be seen by the crowds and the officials. And God tells Jeremiah to serve them wine. Let's continue in verse five. Then I set before the Rechabites pitchers of wine and cups, and I said, Lahaim, let's drink. You know, skull. Anyway, but they answered, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father commanded us, you shall not drink wine, neither you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house. You shall not sow seed. You shall not plant or have a vineyard, but you shall live in tents all your days that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. We have obeyed the voice of our Father in all that He commanded us to drink no wine in all our days, ourselves, our wives, our sons or our daughters and not to build houses to dwell in. We have no vineyard or field or seed. Jeremiah, we don't even know how to make wine. We don't even know how to look after plants. Like if you buy me a cactus, it's gonna die. That's what they're saying. But we lived, verse 10, in tents and have obeyed and done all that our father commanded us. But when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against the land, we said, come and let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and the army of the Syrians. So we are living in Jerusalem. So what we can learn from this is the, the Rechabites. They were a tribe of Israelites and they were a nomadic tribe. They were commanded never to have a hometown or a homeland. They lived in tents and they just traveled around the country. Um, and, and, you know, what they're saying to Jeremiah here is, thank you, thanks Jeremiah, like, We appreciate your offer of wine, but just so you know, like none of us drink. Look like, Jeremiah, if if you wanna have a glass of wine with dinner, feel feel free, like we don't judge, like you you do you boo, go ahead, okay? But 
just just know it's not our thing. It's never going to be a thing. You know, just because we've come to live in Jerusalem to escape the war going on outside in the rest of the country, that doesn't change who we are. We're not going to start compromising now. And here we go. We're going to jump in verse 12. This is the last portion of Scripture. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will you not receive instruction and listen to my words? declares the Lord, the command that Jonadab the son of Rechab gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept and they drink none to this day for they have obeyed their father's command. I have spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently. Again, can I reiterate, Jeremiah was preaching this message for 30 years before we got to this point. And it's sending them persistently saying, turn now every one of you from his evil way and amend your deeds. Do not go after other gods to serve them. And then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to you and your fathers. Then you will live in your calling. But you did not incline your ear to listen to me or listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab have kept the command that their father gave them. But this people has not obeyed me. Imagine. So the Rechabites, their evidence that it was possible for everyday, ordinary people to maintain a distinctive way of life. They were sure in their identity. They were sure in what it took to live the life that they were called to live. And even though they were guests of Jeremiah, they were served dinner in what was probably the VIP room of the temple, the place to be seen by the rest of um, the people in Jerusalem. Even though the rest of the Israelites probably thought that the Rechabites were weird because they didn't have a hometown. They just wanted Wandered around. I mean, that like that was the days of Moses. We're beyond that now. But whatever, all right, you do you. Even though the rec- they were living in wartime conditions, they were not going to compromise. The current headline did not influence their actions. The pressure to fit in did not influence their actions. An ancient command did. Eugene Peterson, he puts it like this. The essence of Jeremiah's message here is this. You also have a heavenly father who has commanded you to live in total relationship to him. You know that he has set you apart. Why don't you live in response to it? If you think it's because ordinary mortal human beings can't do it, think again. The Rechabites are ordinary mortal human beings and they have been doing it for 250 years. You also have a way of life that requires certain disciplines to maintain its character. The disciplines involve you in making specific decisions about the way you live. Regular worship, faithful prayer, tithing, caring for the poor, moral conduct and the pursuit of righteousness. And this still applies to us today. We are commanded to live in total relationship with God, set apart from the world, set apart for His glory. Our calling in life, our purpose in life is founded in living in total 
relationship with God. Church, I've only got one point for you today. This is the essence of all I have to say. To live a life called by God, we must live every day in total relationship with God. See, the issue with the Israelites, their issue wasn't that they weren't worshipping God. They were worshipping God, but they treated worship like it was a membership fee. They would make a weekly, monthly, yearly payment of worship and they would think that that's what it meant to please God. That's what it meant to show God that they love Him, that they revere Him. And while their intentions may have been so sincere, they missed the best part of God's commandment, living in relationship with Him. So flick forward a few hundred years. Jesus is asked what what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus being so generous, instead of just giving one, He gives us two. And He says in Matthew 22, 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second one is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself ancient commandment. So a few years ago, I attended a worship and creative conference and I went with an agenda. I (laughs) went with the sole purpose to find out what it is exactly that God wanted me to do with my life. I wanted to know specifically my calling. Remember, I am a details person. So every opportunity that I had while attending this conference, I prayed, God, just just tell me what you want me to do. And for the rest of my life, that is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be distracted. Is it singing? Is it songwriting? Is it photography? Is it graphic design? What? I don't know. Do you want me to start sailing? Just tell me, God, what do you want me to do? I just want to worship you. I just want to please you. And I received the most dissatisfying answer from God while there. The answer that I got in asking him, God, what's my calling? was, yes. What? God says, do do it all. And like Jeremiah, I started making excuses. Like, what do you mean, God, do it all? I am one person. You expect me to write. You expect me to like, to sing. You want me to like create all these different things. And how do do you expect me to do all that? I don't have the time. I don't have the years. I've got things that I want to do. I want to start, I want to start having kids, blah, blah, blah. I don't have the time for that. And here's the thing, I was hoping for such a specific answer from God. I wanted a specific calling. You know, how many times have you heard someone say, God, you know, God called me to go to this nation and to start this like orphanage and, you know, and I have to do it in April. And, and like when I hear things like that, I'm like, whoa, I wish God would like give me the details like that. Just, I wish God would just tell me what to do and I'll do it happily. And in that moment of complaining to God, like, that's too much. Expect too much from me, Lord. God reminded me of my calling. He says, I want you to worship me with everything. What I've given you in your hand is enough. If you want to be all that I've called you to be, if you want to be great, Worship me with everything. See, we've overcomplicated it. 
We see the successes other people have, the fame, the money, the accolades, the abilities, the following, the ability to travel. And it distracts us. It makes us resent and regret everything and everyone around us. And it leaves us feeling like our lives are unfulfilling, like they're fruitless and boring. And then we just like, well, if this is all that life is meant to cracked up to be, whatevs. (laughs) We see the amazing achievements that others do in the name of the Lord. And and we're intimidated, right? God hasn't called me to do that. Man, God doesn't give me a specific calling like that. I'm not good enough. They're not good enough. I'm not bold enough to do that. I'm in lockdown, God. I can't do anything. Feeling all the emotions, I've lost my place. (laughs) Maybe we need to shift how we live at our calling from doing it on our terms and start living them out on God's terms. God has called you to a life in total relationship with Him. If we dart back at Jeremiah 1.5, God appoints Jeremiah as a prophet to the nations. What is so funny is that in Jeremiah's lifetime, he never left his homeland. He's a prophet to the nations who never left his, his own nation. The only time he did was when he was old and he was taken against his will to Egypt. And yet his words, his message, his story, it still impacts us today. That's so amazing. Jeremiah spent so much of his life either in exile, in jail, you know, he was cancelled, he was facing persecution, he lived during a siege, lived during war, and he isn't remembered for any extravagant feats of strength. You know, he didn't lead a large political upheaval and all this kind of stuff. Or he, he, we didn't see any mighty miracles. He didn't call fire down from heaven. He didn't write any hit psalms that we, we write and we um, use today in worship. In fact, the Bible doesn't even tell us how he died. From the outset, he lived very ordinarily. He was a prophet who served the people in the temples. But each day he lived courageously in defiance of the world around him and faithfully in response to the call of God in his life and could do it confidently knowing that that is exactly where God wanted him. That is exactly where God called him, where God empowered him to be, to live a life called by God. We must live every day in total relationship with God. And it starts with obeying the ancient command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Love your neighbour as yourself. And you may be watching or listening today and you're thinking, Anna, how do you expect, uh, you're like Kath and Kim, that's how I'm interpreting you today. How do you expect me to live every waking day in relationship with God? I got bills to pay, they'll change it. I got mouths to feed, I'm busy. (laughs) It's not possible. And you know what? I've been speaking for 25 minutes all to tell you that it isn't. (laughs) 
We cannot live in total relationship with God. We're broken people. Just like the Israelites, we forget. We get caught up in everything around us. We get overwhelmed and we get distracted by our limitations and we make excuses and and it holds us back from experiencing the goodness of God. But in the middle of the book of Jeremiah, God makes a new promise to the Israelites and to us. Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. It says, But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbours, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Did you catch that? Do you understand what this, what this covenant, this new covenant is saying? It is talking, it is talking about the promise of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus has already given everything of Himself for each one of us and is inviting us into a greater life with Him. He made a way for us. You have been set apart by God and your calling begins by living every day in total relationship with God through and only through the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. But Jesus didn't say, you know, pick up your cross only one time. He tells us to pick up our cross each and every day. Pick up your cross daily. We need to daily go after Jesus. Daily looking to the finished work of the cross. Daily walking away from the things that hold us back, the excuses, the distractions. And step into the life God is calling us toward, to live a life called by God. We must live every day in total relationship with Him. Let's pray. Lord, You know the state of each and every one of our heart. You know the anxiety that we feel. You know what we're wrestling with, the frustrations, the anger, whatever it may be, the worry, God, stir, stir our faith, stir our hearts, make us hungry, make us desire all that You are and all that You're calling us for, a relationship with You. Give us the strength to face each day. Give us the strength not to be overwhelmed or influenced by the things that are not of You, that are not of Your Word. And remind us of the cross we must carry daily. Remind us of the finished work that Your Son Jesus did on the cross. Let this Word stir us. Let this Word speak to us deeply. In Jesus' Name, Amen. And maybe you're watching today and You don't know what it means to have a relationship with God. You don't know what it means to be a Christian. Well, I wanted to extend that opportunity to you today. And all it takes is just a really quick prayer. If you want to step into your calling today, it just starts with a simple prayer. It says, Jesus, 
I give you my life. So just say that, Jesus, I give you my life. Amen.